Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How to Scale an Agency. I'm on with the Scott Baradell of Idea Grove. He's got a really awesome company. And if you guys listened to my previous episode with Globe Runner, they were a Dallas marketing company uh, on Inc. 5000. And guess what? Scott's company has also been able to make it on Inc. 5000 and is also in Dallas. So we're really excited to thank you so much, Scott, for being on the show. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Eric Eric says, I told you he's a neighbor. So uh, yeah. we're. We're uh, digital marketing buddies. <laughs> they are very close, it sounds like. They, their kids go to the same school, right? Is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Well, let's start from the very beginning. So how did Idea Grove get to the Inc. 5000? What year was that? Um, it's been a while. It's like uh, 2013 through 15. It was a three, year, three years in a row. Um, but the last time was 2015 or 2016. I am proud that the last two years we've got uh, one Inc. Best Workplace, which I'm nice. very proud of that. But um, you know how it is. You get to a certain level of revenues and then you have to grow even more to, right. to you know, Inc. 5000 is all based on percentage growth over a three-year three, three -year period. Um, and we haven't been able to to get back up there. I'm 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 feeling like we've got some strategies to get back in the five thousand. But yeah, we had a three year run, um, and the, we've had I'd say stable but slower growth since mm -hmm. since that period. But you know the the agency started as just me and uh, yeah. back in two thousand five, and I had not really any ambition of it doing anything other than I just didn't want to have a boss anymore, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and so literally the, I was very happy the first five years to just be a consultant, you know, to do content and PR and, and brand consulting for people. And after about five years, I kind of realized the scale of what I could do as one person, it was right. getting a little bit boring. Right. And so that's the only reason I, I decided to take the plunge and, and form an agency, and um, and we started growing really quickly from 2011, which is when right. I finally hired, started hiring people, and and got an office, and we're up to I think 31 people now, so nice. uh, got to gotten to a decent size, and I think we've got some, we got a we got a platform in in place where I think we're going to have some nice growth in the next couple of years. That's fantastic. Okay, so um, for uh, context for the listeners. Um, how much are you willing to share on some of the numbers behind that growth? Like, are you able to share a revenue number or anything like that for? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Just, um, what would you like to know? You want to know kind of what the, the revenue is tracked? I think for the most constructive for the agencies, cause we have agencies of all sizes listen to the show, I would say is definitely top line revenue is super yeah. helpful contextualizing. Cause when I ask you questions like, you know, how do you get from this step to this step? They can contextualize that. That's really helpful. Really, that honestly is the main thing I would say. So feel free to share that for the people listening to the show right now. Yeah. Well, I'll say, you know, what what was happening with um when when Idea Grove was just me. Yeah. In terms, of, in terms of the rate I could charge and the amount of work I could do without killing myself by myself, you know, I was I could kind of I realized I was kind of gonna top out at you know, two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, which is a good right. income. But you know, I wanted, I didn't want to have to work more hours to make more money. It was, it was so the my income was so directly tied to the number of hours I worked. So I thought that was one of the things that drove me to um, form an agency. And 
and and start hiring people and and it worked was because within a year you know we were had doubled that to half a million and then um we had that that period of the where we were in, in the inc 5000 region basically we were adding half a million or more in revenues every year Year. Yeah. several years and from percentage basis i think the highest we got in the inc 5000 was 1200 um and then we stayed in there um for three years and then kind of got out and then and then at that point i was trying to figure out how to we had good growth but what i found was yeah, I'm not the best operations person, right? I'm more of the vision guy. If you've ever read Traction, which is a great book for yeah. people who want to scale an agency, you know, I was the visionary, but I was not the integrator. I was not the person who could, who was who was good at smoothly integrating things into operations. And so we have challenges that a lot of agencies have with um, turnover with people, or we get a bunch of clients in, and and everyone we get stressed out and we didn't have a, a smooth way to, to, to grow without it, it just leading to a lot of stress in the organization. And so I tried a number of things. <clears throat> I'd say we grow, grew after that. Um, some years we were flat. Um, I think maybe one year we were down a little bit, but we, we kind of stayed in this range of between two and a half and three and a half million in revenues for, for quite some time. Um, usually we just seem to come in and hit like three, 3.2 which look, I'm, I'm grateful, grateful for the, the work and client and having a sustainable business, but I did want to grow it. And I, and I just found I, the, the analogy I used with the team when I finally did what I think is, is solving this is that we were a team of plate spinners, meaning that um, you've seen those old plate spinning acts, you know, um, they don't have those anymore, but if you, you get the idea of spinning, holding up as many plates as you could spin in the air at once. And because we, we, at the time, um, we didn't have consistent use of a project management system. There's a lot of things we just didn't have to help people be more scalable. Right. And so we could do a really good job with sales, but it would be to the team. It was like, I'm throwing them another plate here. Here's another plate. (laughs) And so, you know, yeah. and then and what happens is they're all stressed out and they eventually want to yeah. leave. And by the way, eventually one of the other plates breaks. That's a client. And right. so, so you lose a client, you know, you, you're, you're churning off clients, not because you can't serve them well, but because you are not handling the addition of the new client. Um, yeah. And, and, and I realized that um, I tried to solve that for years by oh, I just need this competency that I'm missing. Uh, I need someone who's good at this or this or that. And then I finally realized um, that I needed to find someone who knew how to help me stop spinning plates and to help us start stacking plates. (laughs) And and that comes down to operational organization. And so uh, three, three years ago now, I hired a president and COO. And he, mm-hmm. his name's John Lacey, his background, he had come most immediately from the, the COO role at a larger agency that had just um, been acquired. So the right. timing was perfect. But before that, he had done things like run 
factories. You know, he he was <clears throat> that, that that previous job that he'd only had for a little while had been his only agency or marketing job. Everything else had all been about running things. You know, and <clears throat> he was a student of leadership, a student of how to, you know, operate a business more efficiently. Any kind of business didn't have to be an agency. The principles are all were always the same. And so it's fundamentally changed things for us. We have knock on wood, but our the lack of turnover we have among clients is unheard of. I mean, not not among clients. Among clients, I think among clients we're we're doing decent, probably average. Um, but among employees, it's it's incredible. Right. I mean, our, the people John has built a culture where not not alone. We've got uh, other leaders, uh, the senior leadership team. Yeah this of, of uh, 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 some longtime um, senior leaders. Um, so it's been a, a group effort, but John as a leader uh, over all of it is the one who kind of changed the tone to say, you know what, you know, these are the things that need to be in place to scale. It's not enough to have, to be really right. good. It's not enough to be really good at what you do. And it's not enough to be good at sales. You also right. need to structure things in a way. And <clears throat> And he, a lot of that is sometimes just talking me down. You know, I'm one of those people who's like, I have an idea. It's like, let's do this right away, you know? And I, I and without him to help me say, you know, no, <laughs> we, if we try to, do, <laughs> if we try to do that right away, um, everyone's going to be, you know, going crazy, you know, and, and it's not going to work. Um, so why don't we do all of these steps and maybe do this idea in six months? Um, which, you know, there were the that's not the way I used to do things, and I'm so glad <laughs> that I've learned. I'm still, yeah. I'm still, I'm, I'm, uh, this business I've had for 17 years, but I'm still learning things every day. But ultimately, you need a great vision, you need to be good at sales, right? And you need to have a scale, a scalable, um, operational structure in order to grow. So now we've had a good growth year. I think we're going to go from 3.7 to four. I think we're going to hit four this year. We haven't hit four. Fantastic. Um, at minimum, we should be at 3.9, but I think we're going to hit four. And then right. I think we're in a position based on our run rate to where, you know, five next year, six, the next, um, the run rate is, um, you know, we obviously had the hiccup of COVID like everybody else. Yeah, um, I think this would have happened sooner um, because, mm -hmm. but it gave John more time in the COVID environment to, to make sure that we were prepared for growth. Yeah. Um, so it, we're seeing the benefits now because um, we're growing fast. And even though the team is working hard, um, it's, I think there's, it's like uh, the analogy that um, my creative director uses. It's like when you're at the gym, and it's those last couple reps you have to do. Those are the hardest, but those right. are, that that's the key to the progress. All the progress to grow in terms of your fitness goals or whatever are in those last two reps. If yeah. you just if you just do the first eight, you're going to stay the same. Totally get it. And um, I would say, you know, for uh, you know the 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 the, the the growth that I typically see with these agencies um, that I interview is is definitely similar in the sense that they go all this time, they grow, they figure out sales, they hit a plateau in that multi-million dollar range, and then they start focusing on product uh, and consistency in the design of that. 
Um, and that's when they start hitting that next growth curve. Uh, I got to say, I'm pretty excited to see what's coming out of Dallas because, uh, you know, both you guys have similar projections and both growing really quickly. So we'll definitely have to do a follow-up episode here in a quarter or two to see how things are going with you guys. But I'm excited to see that pan out. But I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into what you actually did around um, product. Uh, the reason why is because I think there's, um, I call it the traditional trap. I feel like there's a tendency for agencies when they get started to just copy different business models because everyone's doing the same thing. And then once they hit a point of saturation in the market, they realize they have to be different in order to actually scale because then you're just kind of plateaued. And, and we reached a similar point because last year we did 1.7 million in revenue. Uh, this is our fourth year in the business. And then this year we're going to hit probably two to three, but that was because I spent about a year focusing on product. And I think now we're going to grow it past that point. But I want to hear specifically, like if you define product, and this is my definitions, if it's not yours, it's okay, but let's just work off this one for today. If we were to define it as basically a measure of virality, like whatever features are the ones that people talk about the most and share the most with their friends, what are those for your business? Like, is there anything specific that causes virality in your customer base to get them to talk about it to their friends and refer customers over to you? That's how I personally measure objectively product design and how good it is. So I'm just curious, like for your business, is there anything you guys have done to get more talking about your company? Uh, yeah, um, I think that we, you know, I had never been part of an agency um, before I went out on my own and started one. Um, but I had been on the corporate communication side for more than a decade. And so I worked with a lot of PR firms. I worked with some very large ones, the Fleischmann Hillards and Burson and Marstellers. And I also worked with um, some boutique agencies. Um, and I, as the consumer of those services, I, I realized the things I liked and didn't like. And one of the things I didn't like at the time um, was that for the most part, um, I worked in technology. And for the most part, uh, the people that worked on my accounts didn't really understand my business. Um, mm -hmm. and therefore, you know, they couldn't write about it. Um, most PR agencies at the time didn't really have, uh, in-house writers, um, or they were yeah. very, or they were very disconnected from the, the team that was your main account team. And right. so basically every single, um, agency I worked with, whether it was Fleischman Hillard or whether it was uh, a small agency in Dallas or a, even a small, uh, you know, boutique that was you know, supposedly a, a tech specialist, I right. ended up pulling all that writing in house and mm. doing, and doing it myself and said, uh, you know, you just go pitch the stories and do those things. And, but I thought, especially entering the age of inbound marketing, social media, blogging in the mid two thousands, um, that that's not sustainable to not have that competency. And right. so from the beginning, so from 2005 is when I started the agency, from the beginning, what was distinctive for me, I think, was, you know, I only had worked with B2B tech companies and mm -hmm. I not only would, you know, do the PR pitching and things like that, I would write their white papers. You know, I would do the things that showed I understood. And so if I got interest in a story um, I could explain 
I could go a few clicks in with the with the journalist who was going to cover it, as opposed to immediately saying, oh, 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 let me let you talk to so-and-so, you know, the subject matter expert right. or executive at my client, because that's all everything I know I just put in the pitch. Um, that um, was the differentiator initially. And and I think, you know, so when I when I first started hiring people, some of my first hires, first senior hires were former journalists, uh, very senior folks. Um, I wanted to make sure that we had that foundation, two, two foundations. Um, one is really being able to produce high quality content. And the second was having competency in B2B tech. So like currently we have as our head of strategy and content, um, a someone who's been with us for many years who before that had been at the Dallas Morning News as an editor for 15 years. And for now, now like I guess eight years has been with us um, just writing about B2B tech. The other senior content leader we have um, was actually uh, in his first career for I think about 20 years, uh, an IT director. Mm -hmm. And so those are distinctives, right? When you're, and there's a lot of, be, be, about half of our clients are in Dallas. Um, right. used, used to be all of them, but we've kind of gotten a reputation in, in B2B tech specifically. And so other, you know, folks from all over can find us if they're looking for, have those same frustrations basically, and are looking for someone who can, or an agency that can then can speak to the needs of B2B tech specifically. So those were, yeah. would be, were our distinctives. And right. I think what has happened um, you should, I, I originally marketed Dallas, you know, in SEO and, 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 and so forth. I originally marketed idea growth as Dallas PR firm. You, you'd be shocked. Um, back in 2012, I think is when I really went all in on just saying, you know, we're B2B tech, you know, basically we turn away if you're not, you know, right. And that wasn't the case before. So, but we'd always have at least 80% B2B tech clients anyway. So I said, you know what, let's just lean into this and not be afraid to, to specialize if, and if that means we don't get a client um, that we would otherwise get because they associate us with B2B tech, that's, that's worth the trade-off. And it really has been, but what I, what you probably wouldn't believe is, man, we within, um, a few months were ranking number one nationally for anything you could think of and related to B2B tech PR, B2B tech PR firms and so forth. Um, it was partly because for whatever reason, most of the agencies or at least boutique agencies doing it were in the UK at that time. That's changed. So um, there are many agencies today, many boutique agencies that specialize in B2B tech. There are many boutique agencies that specialize in B2B SaaS, you know, that, that, right. that, are, that are even more specific than just say B2B tech. And, and so that was and continues to be foundational for us, but it's not as differentiated as it was 10 years ago. And so right. um, what I've worked to do is, um, is, you know, identify other things to help further distinguish our product. And right. I've, got, I've got a book coming out, uh, first one ever. And it was, it was oh, like birth, birthing a baby that's coming out on October 18th. <laughs> it, it, it's called Trust Signals. It's called, nice. the full, it's, it's called Trust Signals Brand Building in a Post-Truth World. 
And what the book is about is basically how over the last uh, two or three years, I've worked to kind of reframe how we as an agency do what we do. And it's, I think, going to lead to not only hopefully a higher level of awareness, but just a higher level of differentiation and also some ideas that, that I think could help move the PR business in particular forward. You know, we do digital marketing. We, we do it all. Our foundation is PR. And so the whole idea of the book and what we do as an agency is to kind of look at how to grow a business online through a PR lens, a PR lens mm. that is PR lens that isn't um, the traditional idea of uh, yeah. your goal is to get media coverage. The, the lens is that the goal of PR ultimately is to earn brand trust through third-party validation. Yeah, But today you can't just earn, you, it's not enough to earn third-party validation by getting a story about you in the New York Times. Because first of all, half the people don't trust the New York Times. The, the fragmentation of news sources and information sources is such that probably, probably most of your audience will never know you got in there. So, right. so you need to be looking at online reviews. You need to be looking at influencers. You need to be looking at all of the different ways that you yeah. can trust. So we're not a lead gen agency. We are a, what we do is try to create the kind of brand and brand trust yeah. that can kind of make the lead gen kind of that last mile, that right. last mile service. You know, we want to make the leads better. We make the, the leads oh, are yeah. better. The leads are better if they already know about you and they already can easily find good things about you uh, online yeah. most especially things said by other people media oh, customers yeah. influencers um organizations like the better business bureau yeah the, the priorities are different for every business but what we do as an agency is 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 look at that kind of traditional goal of pr of building brand trust uh, through third-party validation and looking more broadly about how people do that today Versus how they mm -hmm. did, versus how they did it ten years ago, and that's really that makes a lot of sense. And do you guys um, would you say that just for people who are, are listening, um, just to summarize there, some some very good points. Uh, first of all, uh, from the product design perspective, obviously niching down, but I don't want to be generic. Like to be very specific, he focused on B two B SaaS tech companies. Uh, he focused on um, doing in house writing. Uh, and also another product design was Lowell uh, does a lot of clients from Dallas. So he had like that trust appeal. So those three things is what's getting people talking. Now, I have one last question for you before we go into lightning round of questions here. As you kind of grew over the years, you said it's been 17 years now, I think you said. As, um, so what were the key? Yeah, if you had a plot like over time, your growth, what did it look like? And uh what were the key decisions that you made that led to like the biggest growth spurts uh, during that time period? Yeah, well, um, you know, I would say the first five years was me, you know, basically maxing out. Yeah. Uh, and what, what I could do as a person. And that's when I decided to, you know, sign a lease and take the plunge uh, with a business and started hiring people. And then we had a very high growth period for, about four years after that, which was really mm -hmm. just attributed to taking this model and these ideas I had in my head and um, 
and hiring people to, to build a team right. to be able to deliver it to more people. Um, and then I think that the, that high growth period went into kind of a phase, I think you mentioned before, where it became more about, um, I think, like a professionalism of services, uh, consistent professionalism of service without necessarily having kind of the operational and project management kind of uh, foundation in place that needed to be there. That's something that came along in uh, just three years ago. And we've, we've seen, if you kind of account for COVID, we've seen a real growth spurt since then. So I'd say just realizing, taking the plunge to, 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 to form an agency and scale the business, I guess, um, really leaning into specializing certainly helped that growth period a lot. And then deciding to formalize and really invest in operational consistency that's leading to the current growth spurt. And I think what I'm hoping for the next growth spurt will be these kind of ideas about this more comprehensive view of public relations is going to help grow, help us grow as well. That's fantastic. And so we're going to do a lightning round of questions here, just, just one line responses. Uh, we do, we ask everybody, um, so first of all, you said it's been 17 years, right? Is that how long it's been since you started? That's, the agency? Right. that's right. All right. That's awesome, man. You, you just beat the averages for sure. I mean, that's, you got you've stayed around for long enough and you've hit revenue numbers. That I think only, uh, 1% of businesses hit. So congratulations. That's fantastic. Fantastic growth there. Uh, and longevity. So that's first question. Second question. Um, what's a business book that you'd recommend agencies read or like one that's on your mind? Wow. 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 Uh, we actually have an agency book club and so I'm, I'm blank. I have, I'm blanking out here. Um, um, oh, no, 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 no. Like, traction. That one, that's, well, a, good that's, one. that's a good one. That's one. If I think of some other ones as we're going on, but traction is, yeah. a, traction is foundational. Um, I think many, any business that can't figure out how to, um, how to organize things and or and organize or, you know their org chart and different people's roles. It, it's been a huge help to us. And even things like how to organize a meeting, how to structure a meeting agenda. Yeah, that's how deep traction goes to to kind of help you get help help you um, organize your business. Anything you wish you knew when you were twenty? So. <laughs> it's a question we ask everyone. So the list is very long. Um, when I was 20, I wish I knew um, something a, a friend told me much later is I've, I've had career changes. You know, I started out in journalism. While I was in college, I was planning to be a, a history professor, different things. So, you know, you have, if you, if you are kind of an achiever person and then you have these changes, uh, right. you can feel like you're failing, you know, and I had someone who and I, I was in a job, a journalism job where I just didn't feel like it was going anywhere. And, and I was like, I, I want to go do this, but I'm starting over. And she said, it's okay. Life is more forgiving than that. You know, life, life is long, you know, keep, yeah. you've got plenty of chances. You know how, how many people have started? Well, I look, I started this business just as I was turning 40 and wow. there, you know, you can start a business at any age. And if you start earlier, yeah, you've got more time to fail yeah. for you before you hit the one that r- really hits it big. So the, if as long as you don't allow it to 
discourage you. You get, you got to be open enough to the fact that you're not perfect to get better and learn from experience, but don't let the fact that you fail, like everybody does make you feel like you can fail and not be a failure. You know, that's, that's a lesson that, um, when I was younger, you know, you fail a test, you know, you can fail out of a course, right? It's not like you get, life is not like that. It's more forgiving in terms of giving, giving you chances to have success as you define it. Totally get it. And then last question, uh, for giving you a chance to promo, um, what is, uh, what is one thing you would do to 10 X your business gets to $30 million in revenue if you, if you <laughs> theoretically within 12 months, if you had to do like the biggest growth hack on the planet, what would you do? Uh, besides win the lottery, let's see. Um, <laughs> biggest growth hack. Oh my gosh. These are hard. This, one, this one's a tough one for agencies, but I, I'm curious what you'd do theoretically. So, well, I honestly, I think that um, we, we've we never, uh, uh, unlike a lot of agencies are saying, we've never made an acquisition. And during, oh, and started during COVID, um, uh, we, for the first time, just started looking around at potentially doing that. So yeah. I, I, I think I'd go the Oracle route, you know, I think I'd just like be, be Larry Ellison and just start snapping up company <laughs> slapping the idea grove brand on it yeah that's really interesting so that's that's actually a popular answer from people who've hit multi-million dollars in revenue so it definitely seems like a consensus view that i think people should follow is acquisitions so it's been great having you on the show um and you know i just wanted to give you a chance to share how people can work with you is there a specific offer you said you have a book coming out or can have people contact you what's the best way to do those things yeah, uh, just two quick things is, you know, in addition to ideagrove.com, excuse me, which is our agency's website, uh, the book that I have coming out called Trust Signals, uh, I have the domain trustsignals.com. There's a lot of good content there, a lot of practical content about how to use different, what I call trust signals, indicators, evidence of trust that you can find online uh, to, to build your business. So uh, that's a great place to go. In terms of a specific offer, um, we are currently offering, we're a HubSpot partner and we're currently offering free um, onboarding. So um, if you um, if you if you decide to buy HubSpot software and um, go through us, we will do your the, the full training um, um, at no cost. And all, offer. Yeah, all we ask is for our sort of folks to to keep us on the portal because that helps us in terms of our our standing with HubSpot. So they like us better when we have more clients in the portal. And you know, in more than a few cases, it's turned into it's turned into work once they get to know us. And because once you've bought HubSpot, you got to do something with it. And and most people realize <sighs> most people who buy HubSpot have small teams and and they realize they realize pretty quickly wow what a robust tool if only i could had time to do it so hey we're here remember the people who trained you (laughs) yeah it's a great way so they can just go to your website that's the best way to get to take you up on that that? for the hubspot offer yeah you can just go to ideagrove.com and go to the contact page fill out the form or you can or you can call us the phone number's there too and the email all right, guys, Idea Grove with Grove, G R O V E V E dot com. Idea Grove, like a grow outside. So um, go hit them up. 
Yeah. And uh, it's been great having you on the show, Scott. For everybody who's been listening, just to wrap things up here, he's been able to get his business down to potentially up to $4 million in revenue soon this year, but has been able to cross $3 million in revenue. He's been doing it for 17 years. He has an incredible growth rate so far. Uh, you know, he, he left the corporate world, took the personal adventure of starting his own business, doesn't regret it one bit. You guys who are listening to the show and thinking about doing the same thing, take the plunge. It's worth it. He's living proof of it. Inc. 5,000 for years in a row. Really, really impressive stuff. So thank you so, so much, Scott, for being on the show and, and sharing uh, Idea Grow. Thanks for inviting me.